Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So um, this Christmas, I'd love to just uh, actually talk about around the Christmas story today. And I'm really praying to the Lord will speak to you from it. Because uh, I don't know if you realize, but when we hear this Christmas story, it's not just so that we go, wow, what an incredible story about Jesus coming, but also hidden within the Christmas story, there are incredible truths for you and I about our walk with the Lord, God calling you to know Him and to serve Him, and also about your calling. Because uh, I don't know if you know this, a lot of Christians do, and a lot of Christians don't, that God's got a great calling for you. And uh, I'm praying that you're really glean uh, today some things from God's Word that are going to help you in your great calling. And as you journey with the Lord, because the journey walking with God, I've had four decades now, is incredible. But you've got to get on the journey at some point. You can go to church for a long time and not be on the journey. But get on the journey of His calling. And then in the decades to come, you'll look back and go, oh my gosh, that has been amazing. And amazing because you realize God's used you, but also to you discover that everything that the Lord said and promised, actually, he'll bring to pass. And even better, even better. What he does in you, even more than what he does through you, is the most important thing. So can we pray today, everybody? And let's pray together. And I'm going to pray that God's going to really speak to you. Pray too, if you don't yet know the Lord, that this Christmas, today, in fact, you'll come to know Jesus Christ. As Pastor Spencer told, people saying already their whole life's been changed through getting to know God I pray that this Christmas you'll get to know Jesus Christ for your life in Jesus' name. So let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for Lord, the whole Christmas season. And Father, I just thank you Lord, for our great church family, Lord, where, Lord, you've actually brought us together from all over the earth to be a part of Global Heart Church. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you touch everybody, you speak to us, help us to see what we don't currently see. And Father, I pray that you would use all of us in our lives, Lord, to be a great part of your purpose and plan in this era on the planet. And Father, I pray in every home, bring faith, bring peace, bring, Lord, I pray a real sense of purpose and joy and, you know, from the grandparents down. And I just pray, Lord, that you would use everybody who's part of Global Heart Church in your incredible will here in Western Australia and beyond. Father, we pray for our church in Zambia, our church in Germany, our team in Melbourne. Just pray, Father, be with all of them right now, Lord. Father, as uh, this challenging season that everybody's facing, we just thank you, Lord. In the middle of it, God, we can lean on you. And so, Father, I pray as everybody leans on you, Father, grace your people, grace your church. And, Father, I pray let everybody know your supernatural grace. And, Lord, I pray that you'd bring everybody through, Father, into incredible blessing and incredible breakthroughs, Father. Thank you, Lord, for our children's children serving the Lord. And, Father, thank you that even in this generation, we're setting them up, Lord, through what we're doing to help the generations that follow, Lord, to be even stronger. Lord, we just bless you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. And we're just so grateful for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, let's give the Lord a great hand, everybody, one more time. Why don't you just give somebody another little Christmas greeting or, I don't know, a Christmas hug or Christmas high and shake. All right. 
You know, the Christmas story, everybody, is just incredible. When you uh, look a little deeper and get behind the scenes with uh, what God uh, was actually saying and doing through Jesus coming to earth. And the first Christmas was not like the Christmas that we have today on the planet. It was a totally different time, and every Jewish family hoped and prayed that the Messiah would come from their family. And the prophecies uh, had been given, in case you don't know, uh, Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection, there are 300 prophecies that it is impossible that the majority of them came to pass. It's absolutely impossible without God bringing it to pass. And if you look into the prophecies, you'll be blown away because uh, the chances of most of them ever happening are just, you know, negligible. But God has a plan. And for those who will look a little deeper, you will discover that God had a plan and a purpose all along for you and for me, 2,000 years later, hello, in the era that we live, that uh, was all pre-planned that we might not only know of the story, know about Jesus, but that you would actually come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, it was an incredible time. Luke chapter 2 tells us that uh, uh, God was about to bring his only son to earth. And at that time, in fact, uh, a decree had gone out from Herod, which was he had heard of this child that had been prophesied. He'd heard that this Messiah was going to be born. He felt threatened that the Jewish Messiah would come. And so he uh, actually uh, felt deceived by the three wise men who, from all accounts, we can see they were astrologers. And uh, he felt deceived. And so he put out a decree that all the male children, two years and under, be killed. Isn't it amazing how when God's trying to birth deliverers on the planet, there's always a termination request goes out into the nations of the world. And so Herod put out, kill all the male children under two. But at that time, uh, Caesar Augustus decided to take a, sen a census. And uh, the census was supposed to look like the census would be taken so that they could look after the Jewish people and have services and all the things that they needed. But it actually, it really was mocking them because they were just trying to work out where all the people were to make sure they could get every, every cent and every tax that uh, they were foisting on the people paid. And so uh, Caesar Augustus told all the people in Luke 2 to return to your home. Go to your home so that you could uh, basically be there and be, you know, signed up for the census in your local area. So Joseph, uh, who was from uh, Galilee, uh, out of the city of Nazareth, set off for Bethlehem in Judea and to return home to that place. In actual fact, God had already pre-planned that uh, with, the, with Herod breathing threats of killing all the male children, that in actual fact, Bethlehem would be where he would birth Jesus. So it was also God's protection. And I like it, Caesar Augustus was unwittingly helping set God's plan in motion by declaring the census and that you had to return to your home city. So Joseph and Mary set off on the journey of 154 kilometers. That's pretty close, right? Pretty good. I got it down to 154. So girls, basically this teenage girl who was practically at full term, 
that she would go on a donkey with Joseph from here to Bunbury, where she would then give birth. If you drove your car to Junlup and gave birth, you need to praise the Lord right now. <laughs> so it was incredible, and, uh, but all of it was in God's plan to protect the birth so that the baby Jesus would live. You know, you would think that everybody who was involved with Mary, who was a teenage girl who had the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you're going to be, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to God's only son. This young teenage girl, we love Mary in the scripture. It says that she immediately, her response to the angel of the Lord was, be it done according to your word. Don't we need her on the ushers team? and the pastoral team. Be it done according to your word. This young girl knew to be found pregnant in that day and that era outside of marriage what could absolutely destroy her future and potentially cost her life because you would be cast out if you were pregnant and unmarried as a young teenage girl in that era. Yet when the angel of the Lord speaks to her, she immediately steps up to the plate and says, be it done according to your word. What God wants, I want. And you would think that when she shared with Joseph, who was probably about 20 years old, hey, great news. I am pregnant by the Holy Spirit. God has chosen me. You know how everybody in Israel is praying and hoping and believing that the child, the Messiah, would come through their family line. Well, guess what? <laughs> The baby's going to come through me. Yet, we discover that Joseph was not excited. And he was also like, my goodness, what is happening? And, uh, and even though she would have been so full of faith and expectation, he was now terrified because of all the implications, not just for her, but also for him. Interesting to note, everybody, here's the thought out of this. What is God trying to say to us? Well, God's trying to teach you that many times His blessings, His gifts, His touch on your life may give you joy later. At the time, it can give you challenge. Much of the things God gifts you with and much of the things God's gifted Sue and I with and, you know, and serving God as full-time pastors, which is what we went into in our 20s, at the time, the first two years was like, what on earth has hit us? I left my career. Suddenly we were broke. Uh, and I was on an internship at the church. And then we had challenges having children. And then we had all kinds of difficulties. And then Sue nearly lost her life and lost half her reproductive system. This is in the first year and a half of our ministry. And what looked so amazing at the start was now, get me out of here. What have we signed up for? But now, with retrospect, hang around, people. Retrospect, hang around. Don't give up. And actually, start. <laughs> so when I started and stayed, now with retrospect, we look back and go, Lord, you've been amazing. Because even our childhoods, which were very abusive, that we discovered that <laughs> that deep wound that you have uh, God will, if you let God's light into your wounds, God will illuminate revelation to you and God will use the very things that the enemy meant for evil 
for good. So in retrospect, Sue and I look back and go, wow, look what God did. Was it challenging? Yes. Was it challenging for Joseph? Yes. So be prepared, everybody, when you start serving the Lord. It doesn't always bring you joy and splendor at the start. But down the track, with retrospect, you'll go, wow. And remember, what God does through us will be, and I believe over your life, can be amazing. But what God does in you is the real joy. But you may see it later. It's like when you get saved. You get saved and God blesses you with salvation. And then suddenly things start happening around you and everybody's not thrilled that you became a Christian. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I became a Christian and my friends, I had five friends say to me, look, just get over it. You're going through a phase. Well, that's been a long phase, 40 years, <laughs> quite a phase. But I had uh, people not liking that. I worked people, you know, where I worked. They were like, oh my gosh, Holy Joe has come to the office. And I was as unholy as you could be before I got saved. And now they're like, Holy Joe's come. And I remember the guy who actually literally gave me, he almost persecuted me in the office. He was just so difficult in front of all the staff about me becoming a Christian. Don't be put off by people, everybody. It was a year or two later, he rang me on one of the office phones across the office and said, my wife's left me. My life's falling apart. Can you have lunch with me? And I went, no, I can't because you were mean. <laughs> Isn't it funny? The very people who are giving you, you know, per challenge or persecution was actually such a broken person who really was challenged in any, if anything, by what God had done in me. He'd seen a change. And now he uh, was actually needing my help. By the way, I took him to church with me and he gave his life to the Lord, which is awesome. Yeah, really awesome. And then soon I went off to plant the London church and every year I'd come back. First message was from him, can we catch up? And he continued to go for the Lord uh, up until this day as far as I know. So, so good. You know, uh, yes, so don't be put off everybody. Joseph's put off because here is the blessing of God. The girl you're engaged to is carrying the Savior of the world, but it's bringing confusion and challenge. And we wonder, is this really God or is this something else? And I want to encourage you, in the midst of God blessing you, don't be put off when it's got challenge with it or it's got confusion. And don't be put off when you've got people around you who may challenge you and confuse you. I had some, some of those. I had three pastors telling me when I was a broken young guy that God wants you to be going to Bible college and he's going to use you and sue. And I'm like, these people are crazy. But they saw things that I didn't see. Learn from, learn from this is that all God's looking for is your response and your yes. And as Sue and I responded, and yes, over the years, all of that lifted away as we began to see the great work of God. You know, uh, <laughs> Joseph, before he was blessed by the birth of Jesus, he was stressed by the birth of Jesus. Usually the blessing of God on your life worries you before it blesses you. How funny is that? You see people get blessed and something's happening and then they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Some of us are so used to bad stuff that when good stuff happens, we're like, oh, no, I'm worried now. <laughs> it's getting good. Something's going to go wrong. <laughs> You know, I had that too. I was great with bad and bad with good. You need to get good with good, everybody. If you're a believer now, you need to say, Jesus, help me, in fact, grace me to get good with good 
so that you stop sabotaging, hitting that, you know, sabotage button you can't see, that you don't hit it when it starts to get good. It's amazing how when you get around people who are growing and getting free and getting healthy and being used by God, that something in us rejects ourselves and this imaginary sabotage button, we kind of go, la, 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 boom. And we try and wreck it and take ourselves back to the beginning. How many people get in a church where the church, they start getting around people who are growing, going forward, and suddenly the challenges on them, the confusion and the chaos, as I said with Joseph, and suddenly they've got to go and find a church, again, full of dysfunctional people or a church that's starting out. They're going to find the 50 again, uh, you know, who are all dysfunctional, which is often what happens when you start church planning. You gather all everybody who's broken or whatever. But a lot of people have got to go back to that church because they feel more comfortable being ahead of people who are broken and got all the stuff. I feel better. Your life sucks. My life is better than that. So they find those people, rather than getting around people who are growing and going forward and can help take them and their children and their children's children out of that. Oh, it happens all the time. Happens all the time. It's like, why are you here? They've gone to find comfort when God's trying to get us to find purpose. So, yeah. My start in life was I was just surrounded by every broken person in the Bronx. (laughs) At our house, our family, if you're broken and poor, addicted, crazy, you're in our house. So then God's saying to me, and and look, I'm not saying don't, I don't love people, but I'm saying God was trying to take me forward. God's always trying to take people out of pain, out of immaturity, out of broken. God doesn't say, hey, you're all broken. Stay there. Stay there. God's like, no, no, come on, everybody. Let's go. One of the great things I discovered about the Lord is he's never treated me as a victim. He's always treated me as a victor. God won't come to you as a victim. He'll come to you as a victor and say, come on now, take my hand. I'll hold your hand. Don't let go of his hand. And then he'll walk you through into life and hope and victory in Jesus' name. So Joseph, right, he's like, he's like, get me out of this crazy situation. How do I exit this? I need an exit strategy. I need to get away from this Mary chick right now. And then the Bible tells us in Matthew 1, let me read it to you. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly and do a quiet exit. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which means, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph is terrified, and the angel comes along and says, in the middle of the most amazing blessing coming to him, he's about to be used mightily by God, and the angel comes along and says, don't be afraid. Once again, as I'm saying to you, the blessing of the Lord, everybody's afraid. And he's saying, don't be afraid. What was Joseph's main fear issue? What people think. What people think. His main issue is, what were they going to think? What would my parents think? What would the, what would the neighborhood think? What were they, what, he's, and, and the angel of the Lord says, don't be afraid. 
Can I encourage you today? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of a relationship with God. Don't be afraid of walking in God's purpose and plan. Because we need to be more interested in what God thinks of us than what people think of us. You need to be more interested in what, what does God say? What does God think? I had people I'd known all my life who were putting me down for becoming a Christian. Well, I had to say, look, you know, guys, all the best, but I got to keep moving. Here's what I discovered, everybody. It's an honor to be misjudged for Jesus. It's an honor to be misjudged for Jesus. It's an honor to be misunderstood for Jesus. Actually, it's an honor even to be hated for Jesus. That's even a greater honor. Because Jesus, who was the most loving, giving person who ever lived, who offered up his life, he said, they hate me, so they'll hate you. If you get hated for your faith, it's an honor to be hated for Jesus Christ. It's an honor. So Joseph was fearful of the gift of the baby Jesus, because how would it look on him? <laughs> Don't be fearful of gifts. Don't be a person who doesn't like gifts either. I told the last service, my mom was so funny, and she's with the Lord now, but Sue and I would buy her a gift, and every year I'd say to Sue, oh no, here's my mom, we're going to give her a gift, here we go. And so I would, we would give mom a gift for a birthday or one for Christmas, and she'd go, oh, what did you buy that for me for? You shouldn't have got it. Why did you do it? Why did you spend your money? Why? Did, and, I, and so Sue and I would have to steal ourselves, and I'd have to say, Mama, it's because we love you. It's because you're valuable. It's because you're important, and because that's what we wanted to do. And I have to teach Mama every year, Mom, you need to change it and go when we give you a gift. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to receive your gift. That's what I've taught my boys. Give me all the gifts. I'm so thrilled to receive them. <laughs> my mom, she shouldn't have. And then, she, then when she'd unwrap the gift, she'd go, oh, that's a great gift. What a good idea. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's such a good idea. Is this Sue's idea? <laughs> now, between you and I, it usually was. <laughs> but... <laughs> Occasionally, I had the idea, right? But she goes straight to Sue, thank you so much. I'd just be standing in the corner like. <laughs> you know, some people are like that with God and the Bible. Oh, it's not for me. No, no, not the Bible. It's for other people. No, no. It's like, look, the Bible is for you. For unto us, a child is born. For unto us, a child is born. For unto us, let me put it in a paraphrase. For unto you. A child is born. For unto you, you are part of the us. For unto you, this child has come and born. And so I want to encourage you, don't say, oh, it's for other people, that gift. No. <laughs> you need to unwrap the gift. When people say, oh, I don't like the Bible, don't believe the Bible, don't know the Bible. No, no, no. You just never took the time to unwrap it. That's all that is. When people say, oh, I don't believe the Bible, don't like the Bible. I'm like, they never opened that Bible one time. Not one time. You open the gift of God's Word, open the Gospels. You get into the Book of Wisdom, Proverbs. Oh, my gosh. Change your world. You couldn't care about any other gift when you do that. But what happens is people don't take the time to unwrap the gift. A bit like my mom. When they eventually do, they go, oh, look what I've been missing out for years. Could have had Jesus decades ago. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> 
So poor Joe, he's worried about how's everybody going to take him. Fear can try and make you move from your miracle. Joseph, you're all Joseph today. Fear can try and make you move from your miracle. How many people God's about to elevate them? They move from what God was about to do. How many people is God saying, I'm about to give you the job that I have for you, and, they, and then they get offered five grand at, um, at Ayers Rock? Oh, five grand, I'm, yeah. God goes, well, my will was back there. Currently, it's not five grand, but it might be a whole lot more later. But my will was here. We move out of fear when God says, don't move. How do people move from their miracle because they bring it down to how they think about things? Oh, this is what I think about it. Yeah, I thought about this. So what? <laughs> I think about a lot of stuff. Most of it I should never do. Most stuff I think about, don't ever do that. Don't do that. Because I think about stuff <laughs> does not mean it gets a green light because I thought it. The fact I thought it probably means red light, <laughs> at least orange. <laughs> Half the stuff you think, you need to just put a red light straight on it. Because if you're all that already, you'd know, well, a green light because I've been putting the Lord first all the time. And every time I follow his word, I've got the green light. If you're there, great. But most of it, it's a red light. And orange at least. And say, Lord, help me not to move from the miracle. Joseph was about to move from the miracle. He was about to miss the moment. Listen, Joseph could have missed salvation. Joseph. That's, Joseph could have missed salvation. Mary is about to give birth to salvation. And Joseph could have missed him. And this is what I thought this morning. Joseph could have missed salvation because it was not of his making. It was not his child. Salvation wasn't coming through him. It was coming through God. How many people, well, this can't be it. This can't be God because it's not of your making. There's nothing you can do to get God. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. And Joseph could have missed salvation because it was not of him. God's greatest breakthroughs often come camouflaged. <laughs> God can give you a gift and you, and or a blessing and you don't feel gifted or blessed at all because it's uncomfortable. 150Ks, Mary, keep it together. Bunbury is just around the corner. Some of us, that's like the call of God. Keep it together. Keep going. How many people move discomfort? How many of you have moved discomfort out of your life altogether? Any discomfort you see, that's not God to you. How many Christians around the world, oh my gosh, have booted discomfort as being something of the enemy, not of God? Yet Mary is about to be used by God to bring salvation to the earth, and she's on a donkey to Bunbury, 150 Ks. Has anybody been on a donkey? You guys need to get out a little bit more at Global Heart, but anyway. <laughs> a lot of times I say, anybody done anything? It's like, not a lot going on here. Anyway, I've done donkey rides over the years. I can do 300 meters. And I'm like with a guy, he's like, you got 20 minutes to go, sir. I'm like, get me off this donkey, bro. The discomfort is killing me. 
He goes, but this is my favorite donkey, Harold the donkey. I couldn't care if it's Mary, Harry, Kerry, get me off the donkey. <laughs> a lot of us are like that with the call of God. Just got uncomfortable for 300 meters. God's like, yeah, but if you keep going, this is going to be miraculous. God elevates you to the level of your discomfort. If you can grow and handle discomfort as a Christian, God will use you and elevate you. That's for another time. That's when you do third year Bible college. I'll speak to you then. Come back. But a lot of people don't get it. They're shifting everything, discomfort. Well, you may be just like Joseph, shifting salvation out of your life. How can I get out of here? And the angel's like, I gotta go talk to this dude. He's about to kill the whole deal. But firstly, for his own life. You okay? Herod didn't come to honor and worship the gift. He came to kill it. The devil always comes to kill the gift, comes to kill the blessing of God in your life, comes to kill the purpose of God in your life. That's why you have to be a Christian who continually, every day, honors God for who he is, firstly, and then honor God for his hand on your life. Honor the God who continues to touch lives all over the world. You know, it's incredible, all the little nuances of the story that we kind of miss, even the fact that Joseph was returned to his hometown, which was Bethlehem. Bethlehem's like a, hey, Bethlehem, it's been good. Drive on through. It's a little town, it's a little nothing. But the Bible prophesies that the ruler would come forth out of Bethlehem, this little town. It's like I returned, I don't know if you guys have been in church for a number of years, but I returned to where I grew up as a kid in the Bronx, in the housing commission area outside of Liverpool and Sydney. And I went back to where I grew up to take a picture of the house. And I got to the house and got to the street and looked around. And I just was like, I lived there for six years. I was like, I can't even believe I lived here. It's so far, not housing commission, but it was just God had changed us and taken us on such a journey that the small mindedness that I grew up in, not the people, I couldn't believe that that's where we were. It was so small. Anyway, so I got to the house and I took a picture and went, wow, that's the house I grew up in. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Bethlehem was like that. This little town. And then God says, the Savior of the world will be born here. Doesn't look like much. Sometimes what God's doing in your life, everybody, doesn't look like much. So you're like, is there anything coming out of this? God's like, yeah, hang around. When I was in London Hillsong years ago and planted that, what became London Hillsong, two of the most incredible people came in the church and got saved and I could not even see them. I was too busy seeing who wasn't there. And right then, there was two amazing people. One would bring all the creative people to the church, but one of them went on to do all the openings for Hillsong Conference around the world, which is like tens of thousands of people saw the openings. And the and this guy was a Buddhist, got saved with us. And I used to have coffee with him. Like, yeah, hurry up, let's go. I got to go get the other people. And God's going, no, 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 the miracle's here. It's Him. I am over here. We Sometimes we can't see because it's not what we think. Jesus' birth looked like nothing in the natural. He's in a feeding trough, born a feeding trough. The animals are there. There's his mother. It looks like nothing. Listen, everybody. Looked like nothing on earth, but in heaven, it was spectacular. It was spectacular. It was breathtaking. In eternity, this is the moment. 
God's only Son is coming to earth so that Jesus can feel and go through everything you go through so that when you cry out to Him, when you pray, when you are suffering, you can know that when you come to Jesus with your request, He's been through what you've been through too. Oh my gosh, how incredible. Isaiah 9 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon His shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. If you need counseling, go to Him. Not taking away, human counselors are good too. Just get a good one. But He's your first port of call, everybody. Let the Holy Spirit counsel you. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wow, you need peace? Come to Him today. He's the Prince of Peace. He'll bring peace to your emotions, peace to your mind, peace to your relationships in Jesus' name. If Jesus can come to a barn, then He can certainly come to you. He's just looking for a heart that's open in Jesus' name. You know, I just saw the other day what, and who likes Andrea Pacelli? Oh my gosh, Andrea Pacelli. Then there's Josh, of course. Anyway, incredible singer on the planet. Incredible opera singer, stunning voice. Andrea Pacelli, who's totally blind. And I heard him say this recently. He said, I don't believe in the clock without the clockmaker. He said, your life, even if it lasts a hundred years, is so insignificant when you compare it to eternity. He said, a hundred years is nothing. If eternity doesn't, didn't exist, that is life after life, then everything would lose all meaning. I don't believe anything can be achieved without someone who has desi- designed and built it. Therefore, he said, I have faith. I have a lot of faith in the one who made the world. I love that. One of the greatest singers ever on the planet said that. You know what? Um, some people get caught up in the date Jesus was born. Well, what about the date? What's the right date? That Jesus, is that actually the date? Who cares? Who gives a rat? <laughs> like, really? I don't care about the date Jesus was born. I care that He came. That's what I care about. And what He's brought me. Martin Luther, the German seminary Bible teacher in Wittenberg, Germany, who was teaching the Bible. He was teaching the book of Romans. He was religious. He went to confession every day, religious. He was in the presence of God, if you like. Then he reads Romans 1.17, which says, the good news tells us how God made us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. He had a revelation that all his religiosity, everything he'd been doing, everything he'd been trying was a failure and that it was a waste of time, that it was all about faith. And he wrote his uh, 95 Thesis, which he posted on the door of the, I think it was the Wittenberg Castle and all of that set the Catholic Church up. They went insane. They went wild because he was saying, you have to come to Christ by faith. He'd had the revelation. And you know, the Bible says, everybody, Ephesians 2, verse 8 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen, when Jesus came to earth, the gurus, the demigods, the religious, He was about to expose it all and say, Listen, I've come because you can't be holy. I've come because every time you start doing good works and thinking that's getting you into heaven, then you just get proud. That's not working. He's like, I had to come and I have died and given my life for you. It's all done. This is the 
That's where Christianity is so outrageously different to all other faiths. Don't say it's the same as the other faiths. Not even close. Other faiths, you've got to pray five times a day. You've got to do this. You've got to dress this. You've got to eat this. You've got to do that. Jesus says, it's done. Jesus says, it's done. Done it all. And Martin Luther has the revelation in, uh, I think it was 1517. It's by faith. What am I doing? You know, when you go to a concert, it's interesting. People go to a concert, they'll see Andrea Bocelli, they'll go to Justin Bieber. If they become a fan and they go regular or several times, they'll go to the concert and suddenly they feel like, I know Justin Bieber, I know Andrea Bocelli. They feel like they know them. And they actually get this sense of I'm in a relationship with them. When in reality, they can be totally different to who you think they are behind the scenes. Sometimes people go to church for years. And like you can be in a concert and be in the presence of Andrea Bocelli or the presence of Justin Bieber or somebody else, some people go to church all their years and they're in the presence of God, but they never actually meet God. How many people will go to church around the world this Christmas and be in the presence of God and feel like, oh yeah, me and God, yeah. Same as how you are with Andre Bocelli and how you are with Justin Bieber. Woo, we're close. No, no, you're in a concert in the presence of the artist. When you come to church, you're in a Christian service in the presence of God, but now you need to meet God. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.